0: All right. Well, we are on to Lesson 2 in our study of 412 Foundations, and we're going to continue looking at our goals and purposes and everything tonight, and then next week we head into the, to the meat of what we're here for, and that is to find out the answers, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us uh, using God's Word and everything. But Tonight, we're going to finish off what is our goals and our purposes for being in this class, and what are our goals and purposes that God has for us while we are here on this earth. So let me begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the lesson. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you again for the opportunity to gather together to study the truths that are found in your word. God, we just thank you that uh, you have given us your written word so that we can... uh, know what it is that you want from us and what it is that we are to do and we get to see your love, your grace, your mercy. We get to see who you are and what you're like and uh, God we just thank you that you love us with an everlasting unconditional love and God that you uh, work all things together for good and we thank you that you send your son Jesus Christ to make the way of salvation available to anyone who would simply believe in Him, and uh, tonight as we look at our goals and our purposes, I pray that we'll be uh, challenged and excited to see what it is that you have for us to do. We just ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, as we said, this is a continuation of our goals and purposes. Last time we began our study and we looked at our goals and purposes, and we first looked at Ephesians 4.12 because this is called the 4.12 Foundations and it's based off of Ephesians 4.12 and we said there were three key things that we saw from Ephesians 4.12. What were those three key things? Anybody know?
1: Equipping the saints.
0: Okay, so we equip the believers to do what? The ministry. Equip the believers to do the ministry. ultimately build up the body. body. Exactly right. We said we equip the believers to do three things, to know, to apply, and to teach. And then we said doing the ministry consists of two things, and they are evangelism and training. We'll talk more about that Um, this evening to build up the body and we said the body gets built up in two ways. The key way is spiritual growth, but as we have spiritual growth, as the believers are doing what it is that they're called to do, they're doing their ministry, then there should be numerical growth um, as we lead people to faith in Christ and then unite them into the body of Christ. And so, based off of Ephesians 4.12, we're to equip the saints to do the ministry to build up the body of Christ. And then we listed our four basic goals for our study, and they were that we would grow as Christians. So that's what we want to do throughout this semester. We want to grow as Christians. And then number two was... That we'd have fellowship with other believers. That we'd have fellowship with other believers. And then number three is that we'll be accountable to fellow believers. We'll be accountable to one another. We also talked about we're accountable to God, but we also want to be accountable to one another. And then finally, we're to be trained to disciple others in the body. We're to be trained to disciple others in the body. And in this lesson, our focus will be on that final thing, being trained to make disciples. Being trained to make disciples. So let me ask you a question. How many of us in here think that we have the responsibility to evangelize unbelievers? Everyone? So let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand on this one. But, you know, how long has it been since you've shared the gospel with somebody? What about in this last week, this last month, this last year? How many times have you shared the gospel with somebody? We all know that it's our responsibility. We all know that God's Word tells us to do it. But are we doing it? That's the question. What about teaching other believers. How many of us believe that we have the responsibility to teach other believers? We all believe that? Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, who are you teaching? Who are you teaching the Bible to? Who are you teaching the truths and principles from God's Word that you know to, who are you teaching it to? How often are you teaching it? Have you ever taught? So, we know it's our responsibility to evangelize. Pretty much everybody knows that. But, you know, many people don't understand that they have the responsibility to teach other people. They think that, you know, that's somebody else's job. That's the somebody that's in ministry. But we're gonna see, even this, this, this evening, I keep wanting to say this morning, I don't know why, Um, But this evening we're going to see that, you know, we've all been given a ministry and that's where we're getting ready to head here in just a second. So we all have the responsibility to evangelize. We all have the responsibility to train other people. In order to make disciples, we need to understand our responsibility. So in order to do that, let's turn first to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, we're going to look at verses 17 through 21, um, and we'll focus in here a little bit on verse 20. But I think this whole passage here is very important. And um, it's the key passage in the Bible of reconciliation. And uh, J.B. says it often, you know, that the story of the Bible is how the perfect righteous God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And we see that, we see that in this passage. We see that that's, that's God's plan. And, and we see God's reconciliation through these verses. But that's not what I'm going to point out um, as we go through them. I want to point out that what it is that God has for us to do as believers, as, as new creations in Christ, what has he given us and what is our responsibility. So, does somebody want to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five, seventeen through 21?
1: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he was committed to us the word of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for christ as though god were making an appeal through us we beg you on the behalf of christ be reconciled to god he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of god in him
0: okay so all of this is not in your book but this is free you don't pay any extra i'll give you all this information Um, But look at what this passage is saying. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and so if you've placed your faith in Christ, you're in Christ. And whenever you are in Christ, you become a new creation. You're made spiritually alive. There is a part of you uh, that cannot sin. And so you are a new creation in Christ. And as a new creation in Christ, we see what it is that he has given to us in the next couple of verses. He's given to us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. And that word of reconciliation can be thought of as the gospel. It's the good news. It's the word that we were given that led us to be saved, to be in Christ, to have eternal life. We were given that word. God has given us the word of reconciliation, and we have that word of reconciliation. And then what does he say in the next verse? He's given to everyone who is in Christ, who is this new creation, he's given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So many people say, you know, I'm not in ministry. Brian, you're in ministry. That's your job. That's what you do for a living. You are in ministry. I'm not in ministry. I work here, or I go to school, or I, I'm retired, and I stay at home. I have no ministry. But the truth is, everyone who is in Christ, God has given us a ministry, and that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. So we're new creations. We've been given the word of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, he says, therefore. And the word therefore is a summary statement. Therefore, since you're in Christ, you've got the word and the ministry of reconciliation. What are we to do? We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ's representatives. We're not to be that. That's what we are. We are Christ's representatives here on this earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we'll go on. And what does it say that we are to do as His ambassadors? What does that verse say in verse 20? What are we to do as ambassadors for Christ? We're to be what? To God. We're to be begging people to be reconciled to God. So we all know that we have the word of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We all know that we are to be evangelizing people. And this verse tells us what we're to be doing, how we're to be doing this evangelizing. We're to be going out there and begging people to be reconciled to God. But what do we often do? We make up excuses as to why we can't proclaim Christ to other people. Well, you know, I just don't want to I don't want to affect our this relationship that I have. well, you know, there's other people around, so you know I just can't talk about Christ in front of these other people, um, you know, and we have all of our excuses. well, I just don't know enough. I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I can't answer, so I'm not going to share the gospel with them. We've got all these excuses, but God's Word tells us, hey, as my representative, you're to be out there in the world begging people to be reconciled to God. Because you know what I did? I sent my Son. And He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. You see, that's our motivation. Because God loved us so much that He sent His Son to to become sin, to take on our sin, to bear in His body our sin on the cross, then that should be our motivation to go out there and to be begging people to be reconciled to God. And we're going to see as we go through, even this evening, um, another passage of Scripture that is, that is very powerful, that God has given us power, He's given us love, and He's given us self-discipline that we are to use to be His representatives, to be going out there and evangelizing people. So the next time, whenever you think about, you know, well, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this, um, you know, it's just too difficult, or I've got this excuse or that excuse, think back to this passage, that as a new creation in Christ, I've got the word of reconciliation, and if you don't know the word good enough, if you don't know the gospel well enough, um, after we go through next week, You will. And let me tell you, we're going to hit it over and over and over again as we go through this class. But um, you'll have the word of reconciliation. You'll know what it is. You know that you have a ministry. You may not have known that up until this point. You just thought, no, the ministry is, is for a pastor. I just have to live life. No, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so we are to be begging people because of what Christ has done for us we want to do that and offer that to other people as well. Any thoughts, comments, questions about that? It's a powerful passage um, just in what we looked at tonight but there's so much more in that passage as well um, that is life-changing. Any thoughts, comments, questions?
1: Well, I, had, I had one question. I had but well, actually, I had three other people this week that I talked to because they asked me one person asked me that very question uh, when we were telling what God did that, that I believe that that he um would, uh, that we have to bring our sins to him and I said, no, I said he doesn't we're not there for our sins. we're there to, to tell him what we're uh, what we've done for him what we're doing out there. I, I have a hard time explaining i know it in my brain but trying to get out in words is real hard for me but um anyways that's what i'm hoping to learn how to say it a little bit better than what i'm saying it yeah i don't want to confuse people
0: yeah exactly I know,
1: we had a nice long talk anyway but um, you know it's kind of i'm learning a
0: bit. <laughs> that'll work that's what we're here for is to learn how to To more clearly give the gospel to other people and we'll look at even four different ways to share the gospel with people so that it does have clarity. Because we're going to talk about clarity and its importance because it is important that we have a clear gospel whenever we talk to other people. Okay, so according to 2 Corinthians 5.20, what are we? Ambassadors. Ambassadors and an ambassador is what? Christ's representatives, and so that's who we are. So how do we fulfill this role? And we fulfill this role by looking at the Great Commission, and we're gonna see, um, break this passage down. So if you want to, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28:18 through 20, as we see the Great Commission, and there's three, uh, there's a threefold aspect that we're gonna see from this passage of Scripture that we're going to need to make application in our lives. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on our earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the threefold aspect of... To this passage is number one is the authority. We're going to see who our authority is, what our authority is um, as we go out and proclaim Christ and train other people. Then we're going to see the commission. The commission. What is the command that God gives for us to do? And then third we're going to see the comfort. The comfort as we go out into this world and proclaim Christ and train believers. So, starting out with who is our authority as we go out as ambassadors? Jesus. Jesus exactly right. So let's talk about Jesus for just a minute. What do we know about him? He's
1: God's son.
0: He's God's son. Sinless. Sinless. Oh, no way. All-knowing. What else? Unselfish. Unselfish. He's all-powerful. All the things have been put in subjection under His feet. He is an etern- He is the eternal God who at a point in time became man to become our Savior? Totally in control. Totally in control. Exactly right. He knows the end from the beginning. But notice there that all authority has been given to Him in heaven and on earth. And so all authority. He has all power. He's all-knowing. And so he can work all things together for good. And so whenever we go out and we proclaim Christ to other people, we need to know, number one, is that, that he is our authority that we go in. We don't go in our own strength and our own power uh, using our own words. I mean, it's best to use God's words whenever we're talking to other people. Um, and so he is our authority as we go out. And then this one's a little bit more difficult. If you've been here at Stoner Bible for any time, you probably know the answer to it. But if you don't, in looking at the Bible in English, it's harder to tell. But in the Commission, what is the only command found in the Great Commission? To
1: make disciples.
0: To make disciples. Exactly right. To make disciples. A lot of people see that word go there, but it, we'll talk about it here in just a minute what that actually means. But listen to this quote from Joel C. Rosenberg. The emphasis of the Great Commission isn't simply communicating the message. It is on creating new messengers. So we're not just to go out and proclaim a gospel to unbelievers and leave them with it. Our goal as disciples, as disciple makers what are we to do? We are to make disciples. We are to make people who are able to create um, and duplicate basically themselves. I mean, that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to live like Christ, we want to be like Christ, and we want to bring others to be like Christ as well. That's our ultimate goal. So I like that. The emphasis of the Great Commission isn't simply communicating the message. It's on creating new messengers. So the question is, how do we make disciples? And we see three things being done to accomplish this goal. So what is the plan? How do we make disciples? And then A there, underneath there, is going. Because like I said, it says, go therefore and make disciples in the NASB. But actually in the Greek, um, it says as you are going. And so that's what that literally means. So as you are going, make disciples. So we don't wait for people to come to us. We don't wait for the Philippian jailer to come say, hey, what must I do to be saved? We are to be going as we are going through life. We're to be living like Christ, looking like Christ in the way that we live our lives And we are to be looking for opportunities to voice, share the message of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So how are people going to come to believe in Jesus Christ if we don't share the gospel message with them, if we don't talk to them about the truths? And so as we are going through life, that's what we are to be doing. You see, we gather, we talk about it on Sunday mornings. J.B. gets up pretty much every Sunday morning and he says we're gathered together today to worship our Savior Jesus Christ, to be trained and equipped in His Word. <coughs> and um, that's what we see as the goal of, of the church. And that's what we see as the biblical goal of the church. It's not to bring people in so that, so that the pastor can evangelize them, the goal of the church is the body of Christ coming together to be trained and equipped so that whenever you scatter out into the community, then you who have the relationships with these people can share the gospel with them. To these people who are who are babes in Christ and you have more information that you can build them up, you can grow them, you can help teach them, you can have Bible studies for your for your People at work. You can have Bible studies for your people in your neighborhood. All of these different things. As we are going, we are to be gathering people together. Then B is baptizing. What does the word baptize mean? Submerge. No. Okay, it means to dip is one idea. And so that's the first one there, to dip. And so if I take a white piece of cloth, and this is kind of what it, what it meant, the Greek meaning of it, whenever I take a white piece of cloth and I dip it in red dye and I pull it back out, then I've baptized it, and the mm-hmm. second word for it is to identify. And so now this white piece of cloth that I've dipped in red dye is now identified no longer as white, but as red. And so it means to dip or to identify. And so that's what we are to do as believers. We are to proclaim the gospel message to unbelievers and identify them with Christ. Now, we're not talking about a... a physical baptism where we baptize them um, in water but we identify them with Christ we identify them with the death and resurrection of Christ baptism as we think about water baptism is a picture of our death and resurrection of Christ we've died and rose again with Christ to a new life and it is our opportunity to show the world what we have believed And so physical baptism is is a picture um, of our death and resurrection. It's our testimony of our faith in Christ. But for those of us who are going out into this world, we want to identify them with Christ. We want to let them know what it is that Christ has done for them and how they can be in Christ, how they can be identified in Christ. And it's by faith in Christ that they get eternal life and eternal relationship with Him forever. And then as we do that, as people place their faith in Christ, then we invite them and we identify them with the local church. We invite them to church to be a part of the body, um, to be in fellowship with other believers so that they can be encouraged, so that they can grow in their faith. and just have one another because, you know, left out there on our own, we're weak, we're vulnerable. But whenever we get a group of believers around us to encourage us, to build us up, then we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We grow and we're strengthened. <coughs> and then finally, we see his teaching. God not only wants us to lead people to Christ, but also to train them. And notice, we're to be teaching them to observe all that God has commanded. This is obedience to His Word. So we teach them to obey, to live out the truths that are found in God's Word. We don't just teach them the Word of God, but we teach them how to live it out in their lives. I talked about it last week, 1 Corinthians 11.1. Paul says, Imitate me, as I imitate Christ. And so that's the way we need to be living our lives in a way that they want to imitate what it is that we're doing. And so we teach them not only the truths that are found in God's Word because the ultimate goal of Bible study is not knowledge but it's application and so we want to teach them to apply it to obey the truths that are found in God's Word. So in the box there, we are to grow we are to go where they are, lead them to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, identify them with Christ and a local body, and then teach them to obey God's word. Any comments, questions, thoughts? All right. Well let's move on and let's see the comfort. What's the comfort found right there at the end? He'll never leave us. Exactly. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. He is always with us. Hebrews 13. He'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? What can man do to me? You know, so often we get timid, we get scared, we're, we're afraid to share the gospel because of persecution. because And that's becoming more and more prevalent in our country, something that hasn't been in the past, but it's becoming more and more prevalent right now. We're worried about our relationships, we're worried about all of this. But we need to know that He is with us, uh, that He's always with us. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7, you might write this down. If you turn to it or whatever, I'll quote it for you. But 2 Timothy 1.7, I think, is a powerful passage. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So God has not given us a spirit of timidity. So whenever you stand before someone, whenever you see the opportunity arise for you to share the gospel with somebody, and you get timid and you get scared. Where's that coming from?
1: The devil.
0: Exactly. It's not coming from God. We see that here. We know it's coming from the enemy. It's coming from Satan. It's the world, the flesh, the devil that, that's coming after you and attacking you and saying you can't do it, that you shouldn't do it, that I wouldn't do it. And so we get, we get timid. We get scared. But... That timidity is not from God. But what did God give us? He gave us the opposite of that. He gave us power. And we said that lo, He is with us always, even at the end of the age, but we also have power inside of us. What's the power that's inside of us?
1: Holy Spirit.
0: Holy Spirit exactly right. Acts 1.8 But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And so that power from the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And that word power, we'll look at it whenever we get to our lesson on Bible study, but that word power in the Greek is the word dunamos, and it's the word that we get dynamite from. And so it's not just some little power that we have. It's not just a little BB gun shooting power. This is dynamite power that the Holy Spirit has that that is inside of us. And so God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us love. And uh, again, it goes back to our love for God and our love for others. Do Do we love God in the way that He loves us? Do we love Him? Do we understand His love for us? Do we understand how much He loved us that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place? that He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that He allowed him to be beaten, to be crucified for our transgressions. If If we understand the love that God has for us and we have love for God, then shouldn't we desire and want to go out there and share the gospel even if we're timid or we're scared? If we truly love our friend, our neighbor, our family member, shouldn't we want to share the good news that we have? Shouldn't we want them to have eternal life? Shouldn't we want them to be with God forever? And even more importantly, shouldn't we want them to be with us forever? God has given us love, power, love, and finally, discipline, And the word discipline there has the idea of self-control or training. You know, sometimes we make up the excuses, well, you know, I just don't know enough from the Bible. Well, you know what He's given you? He's given you discipline. He's put it in your body. Sometimes we want to push it to the side. Yeah, I know it's time to study the Bible right now, but my favorite TV show's on. But... You know, I didn't spend enough quality time with my kid today. Well, you know, I want to spend time with my husband, with my wife. So we got all these excuses. But God's put self-discipline in us. If we want to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, we can do it. And that's another great verse. Uh, Discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, for bodily... Bodily, the the temporary things of this world, they're only temporary. But the things of God, they, they last forever. They're eternal. And so, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. He is with us always. So we don't have to worry. What can man do to us? He can't do anything. We've got God on our side. He has all authority. He has all power. So we need to do what he's commissioned us to do, which is to make disciples. So as we look at in one other example, if you want to look at it sometime, you might write this down. Um, Acts chapter 18. Go look at Acts chapter 18. This is Paul. What's he doing? He is going to a place. And what does he do there? He proclaims God's Word as he is going. He is he is working in the same trade as these people are. And as he is going, he, he gives them the Word. And people believe in Christ. And then there's persecution coming. And what does God tell him? In verses 9 and 10, he says, Don't be afraid. I am with you. And so it's a great... Um, answer to, to Matthew 28 18-20. You see it in the life of Paul and you see God reminding Paul that don't worry about this persecution that's all around you. I am with you. So as we look at the Great Commission, the authority is who? Jesus. The commission is
1: make disciples.
0: Make disciples. How do we do that? As we are going. Two others. Going, baptizing, and teaching. And then our comfort is? He is with us. Our comfort is? He is with us. Thoughts, comments, questions? Y'all are the smartest group. I mean, well, I'll just give you a quiz now and we we'll, can we'll, we'll just be done with all this. <laughs> all right, so what is the outcome? The twofold aspect of the Great Commission, we talked about it before. What is it that we are to be doing? Twofold aspect of making disciples. What are they? Evangelism
1: Evangelism and training. There we go.
0: (laughs) Evangelism and training. So evangelism deals with what? Sharing the Gospel. Once we share the Gospel, what do we want them to do? How do we want them to respond? To believe. To believe. To believe. Believe what?
1: Jesus Christ. Believe in
0: Jesus Christ for eternal life. Exactly right. And so... We don't just want them to believe, and that's a lot of times what we say, and we'll talk more about it next week. You know, we say, yeah, we want people to believe, but what is it that we want them to believe? We want them to believe in the person of Jesus Christ for eternal life. And like I said, we'll talk a lot more about it next time. And I I like, um, so it's going out and it's, it's persuading people to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Because that's ultimately, if you look through the book of Acts, that's what that's what Paul says several times, and uh, I can't think of where it is. It's towards the end of Acts, uh, whenever he's standing before uh, one of the kings and he's on trial um, for his life, and uh, you know he gives the gospel message, and, and the king I can't remember. I think it may be King Agrippa. Says, are you going to, are you trying to persuade me to believe? And he says, I hope not only you, but all who are listening, I hope everyone is persuaded. And that's what we do. We just continue. You know, sometimes we give the gospel message to somebody and they don't believe. And then we go. And we give them more information. Next time you see them, give them some more information about Christ. Continue to live more and more like Christ. and Let them see Christ in you. And continue to give them more and more information. Because how are you persuaded that something is worth believing in? You, you get more and more information. You know, I saw this uh, commercial for for this golf ball, that, it, that it's the best golf ball ever. But I'm not just gonna take that commercial and like, oh, that's the best golf ball ever. It's a oh, commercial, I'm gonna go buy it and throw everything else away. No, I'm gonna go research it. I'm gonna go look at it. I'm gonna get, get some testimony from some other people. You know, you, you look at something on Amazon, and you're like, do I wanna buy that or not? Let me go look at the reviews. Let me see what everybody else says about this product before I buy into it and so you're persuaded as you get more and more information and that's why it's important for us to to share the gospel and let them know what it is that Jesus did for them um, but you know sometimes just giving them the nuts and bolts that Jesus died on the cross paid for your sin rose from the grave to conquer death so you could have eternal life by faith alone in him. It's not enough. You've got to explain and talk about who Christ is. That He's God's Son. That God loved me so much. That God loved you so much. That He gave His Son to you. And He willingly died. He willingly went to the cross for you. That He was in a grave. And that He was buried. And that all of those people around Him knew it. And even the people that put him in the grave knew that he said he was going to rise again. So they put guards around him to to make sure that he couldn't get out of there. And that nobody could steal his body. But then three days later, he was gone. And so nobody could steal his body because those, those guards were there. And they knew their life depended on him being in that grave. But he was gone. And so how'd he get out of there? And then he was seen by all of these people. I mean, go look at 1 Corinthians 15. He was seen by many people on several different occasions. It wasn't just his disciples that said that they saw him. There was all kinds of people that saw him. More than 500 at one time. And so sometimes we have to give them more information about Christ and who he is in order for them to believe. And so we're persuading them to believe in Christ for eternal life. So don't get discouraged if you share the Gospel with somebody. You know, that's what um, that's what leads some people sometimes not to continue to share the Gospel. Well, I did it one time whenever I was 14 and um, they made fun of me and so I ain't ever doing that again. No. Well, you've grown. You know more information. Um, but also... You know, just because they didn't believe at that time doesn't mean that you didn't plant a seed that later led them to believe. And so it's important that we continue giving them the information. It's not our responsibility for them to believe in Christ. It's our responsibility to share the gospel. It's our responsibility to be clear sharing the gospel. It's our responsibility to tell them how they need to respond to the gospel. Because so many people think that what I need to do is I need to turn my life around. I need to give up smoking, drinking, cheating on my wife, all of these things in order to be saved. And man, I'm just not willing to do that. And so, I'm not going to be saved right now. But that's not the grace of God. That's not the Gospel message. The good news is, is that you believe in Jesus Christ and He gives you as a gift eternal life. And then He will work on you from there on those other things. So, we want to persuade them. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they have not believed. So just because they don't believe doesn't mean that you've failed at your job in whenever you share the gospel with them. If you're clear you can be confident and be okay with what it is that you've done as long as you're clear and giving them the truth then it's the Holy Spirit that, that does the rest and so you don't have to feel down and out that man I just didn't do a good enough job and that's why they didn't believe the Holy Spirit's working on them the Holy Spirit's working in you to share that message with them as well Alright, so evangelism and then training. Training. We are to become disciples to make disciples. So we have to be trained in order to train. And so that's why it's important for us to have someone who is discipling us. To have a Paul. To have someone who is farther along that can help teach us and lead us and grow us So that we can turn around and do the same things to others. So this is called making disciples. It involves evangelism and training. Thoughts, comments, questions? You learning
1: anything? So on the bottom of nineteen, we are to become
0: Disciples. Okay. Yeah, we are to become disciples to make disciples. So how can we fulfill this evangelism and training? Turn your Bibles to Ezra 7.10. Ezra 7.10. Go to Psalms and go back just a little bit further um, is the book of Ezra. And Ezra I like what this says. He, he purposes in his heart and then he has a threefold plan to fulfill what it is that he's purposed in his heart. Ezra 7.10. Anybody have it? Want to read it?
1: For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel.
0: Okay. So notice how it starts there is that Ezra purposed in his heart. So he purposed. That means he made a decision. He had a plan for his life. You know, so many of us are waiting for God to do something. But don't wait for God to do something that He is expecting you to do. We don't want to wait for God to do something that He's expecting us to do. It starts with us. We have to make a, we have to purpose in our heart. We have to make a plan. We have to desire to do what it is that God has for you. If you purpose in your heart that you want to step forward in the process of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit is there to help you. John 14:26 says the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have taught you. And so the Holy Spirit is ultimately our teacher. As I'm standing here talking, you are hopefully not hearing my words and, and my slang, but hopefully you're hearing God's Word through me. And um, it's the Holy Spirit that is, that is helping me, that has helped to teach me. And it's the Holy Spirit that is leading you and, and that is ultimately teaching you. He teaches you all things, but then this is another key thing. He brings to your remembrance all that you've been taught. He brings to your remembrance. So, you know, so many people say, man, I'm scared that if I get in front of somebody and I go to share the gospel, I won't know what to say. If you've studied God's Word, if you've studied and you've prepared and, and somebody asks you a question... He's the one that helps bring to your remembrance what you've been taught. If you've memorized some of God's word and people ask you questions and you're ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you, using God's word, like Keely um, Cusio in that in that email I read on that first night, you know, she said everything that my student or that my this boy asked her, she was ready to give an answer to with God's Word. I had a verse memorized that I could use to share that. And so that's what we want to do. And you know God helps, or the Holy Spirit helps to bring to our remembrance what it is that we know from God's Word. So make the most of your time while you're here on this earth. Purpose in your heart like Ezra purposed in his heart. Well his purpose had a threefold plan And it goes back to what we've talked about in here several times. What did he want to do first?
1: Study. He wanted to
0: study the Word of God so that he could know it. So he was going to study the Word of God so that he could know the Word of God. But that wasn't his ultimate goal, was it? He wanted to study the Word of God so that what? So that he had practice it but we say, apply it. To apply it to his life. So that ultimately, in the end, he could do what?
1: Teach
0: it. Teach it it to others. And he was gonna teach what? What he knew and what he applied to his life. Both of those together was what he was going to teach. Teaching them the Word of God and how to live it out in his life. Goes back to the Great Commission. What are we to do? We're to teach them to obey all that God has commanded. So in order to obey all that God has commanded, we got to know what God commands. We have to live it out in our lives and then we have to show other people how to live it out in their lives. And so we have the same plan. We have the same plan. 2 Timothy 2:15. We talked about it a little bit last week as well. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman need not be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Whereas the King James says study to show yourself approved to God So we have to study. We have to know the Word of God. We don't want to be ashamed. We want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Many people want to walk the Christian life. They want to say that they're Christians. But we've got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. And in order to do that, we have to know God's Word. And then number two is Philippians four nine. We talked about this last week as well. The things which you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we have to apply God's word. We have to practice these things in our lives as well. And ultimately... Number three, Second 2 Timothy 2.2, we have to teach the Word. The things which you have learned from me, the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So we're to take what we've been taught. So what have you learned in the 4.12? We're to take what we've been taught Entrust it to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Why do you think it's important to teach it to faithful people? Why does it say teach it to faithful people there?
1: Well, you can teach it to people who are believers. I mean, you know, somebody who's not a believer you can't teach them anything. They take it all out of context and do whatever they want to with it. Okay. I think it's teaching it. And to those that already that are knowing and applying and teaching others that they're willing to do that.
0: Okay. Any other thoughts?
1: If we teach it to other believers that would maybe confirm back to us, they may confirm back to us but they believe the same thing. I mean, they we're kind of helping each other.
0: Okay, yeah, anytime you teach anybody, um, and especially other believers, then, yeah, there's, you are going to grow in your knowledge because in order to teach somebody, you have to know what it is that you're going to teach. Any other thoughts Why we're looking for faithful people? So, so do they something but teach, other teach people. others. Exactly. So that they can take it and teach it to others. So if I came in here and I said, okay, we're going to have a 412 class, and uh, you know what I need you to do? Just kind of show up here and there whenever you want to, and uh, you know, and then take this and teach it to somebody else. And you know, you just come every fifth time, and so you get you know two or three lessons out of the whole thing. Then you know, is it worth my time, effort, and energy to be here to teach? <laughs> Because are you going to do anything with it? If you're not faithful to come to get the information, then you're definitely not going to be faithful to teach it to somebody else because you don't even have the information to take to somebody else. And so that's why we, we do have a limited amount of time, effort, and energy that we can put in to other people's lives. And so we want to look for faithful people who will be able to teach it to other people as well. So if the end goal is to complete this class so that I can check it off my list or, you know, say that I've done this, then that's not a good end goal. I mean, I want to teach people who are going to teach people who are going to teach people so that the message can spread out, and that's what 2 Timothy 2.2, it's exponential growth that's going to happen because we're taking the information that we know and passing it on to other people. Any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? I'm about to take in. It is. It is. So why should we have a Timothy? What are some reasons that we need to have a Timothy in our lives, someone we're discipling? I
1: think it makes us sharper.
0: Okay, that's definitely a great reason because it makes us sh- sharper. It helps to grow us because, like you said, if you're going to teach somebody, you've got to know what it is, and you don't just have to kind of know it. You've got to be ready to answer questions about it. That's another reason.
1: Accountability.
0: Accountability. We want
1: to grow the numbers. Want to? So we're trying that way. If we have a Timothy, then that's what we're
0: doing. Exactly. So you're helping with the
1: exponential growth.
0: Because mm-hmm. it's commanded. What what do we see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20? There's a command. There's a commission there to make disciples. So a lot of good reasons to to have a Timothy in our lives. We need to make sure that we're we're looking for that person if we don't already have one. And uh, because there's always someone that's you know, no matter how far along down the road we are, uh, no matter how long we've been a Christian, you know, there's other people who are younger in the faith that we can take what we've been taught and pass it on to them. And uh, we're two lessons into this, and so this is something excellent for you to pass on to other people as well. So... In summary, let's seek to fulfill our four four goals as we go through this semester. Number one, to grow as a Christian. Our hope is that each and every one of us in this room, including myself, that we'll grow as Christians. Number two, that we'll have fellowship with believers. We'll have fellowship with believers. Number three, that we'll be accountable to fellow believers. Ask questions. Discuss things. Think about things. Number four, let's be trained to disciple others in the body. Let's be trained to disciple others in the body.